Welcome to the 118th episode of the Young Turps Podcast from the Viner Four Gate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're going to be playing some audio that we got from practice. Dave Lamonico, Wayne Viner, myself, and Jordan sat down and previewed the roster for the season now that we're a few days into camp. We'll have that for you in a minute, but before we get to that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. Your hometown Terrapin Party Rental Resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067, or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. We'll kick things off here tonight. Your men's soccer team is ranked the number one spot in the nation in the coaches' poll going into the 2019 season. The Terps, however, will face three teams in the top ten of the coaches' poll during the first two months of the season, including number two, Indiana, and number three, Akron. Yeah, that's how uh, Coach Sasha likes to uh, schedule things for his soccer team, get them tested early so they're ready to play when it comes down to college cup time. And uh, this is probably our shortest rundown ever because that's kind of the only thing before we move on to football news. So let's get into some football here. First, some pro-turp news. Yakin Gakwe turned down a contract with the Jaguars that would allegedly pay him north of $19 million per season with $52 million due in the first two seasons. No word on guarantees, which is always where the devil is. He has ended his holdout, though, and reported training camp last week. He appears to be set on having unrestricted free agency in 2020. Yeah, it's all about the guaranteed money, you know. The, the unguaranteed stuff's almost all, uh, nonsense. You got to go for the guaranteed money, but it all depends, you know. If you get a huge contract that's not guaranteed, you know, you're still gonna get. Well, something. if it's front loaded, if it's you get a lot of money in the first season, then it might be worth it to you. But it, it's a personal preference, I understand, and uh, I think from his perspective, the Jaguars have shown they don't want him. Yeah, I, I think that the Jaguars. I think it's gonna work out. I just have a feeling they've they've given up on some other guys, pretty much for Yannick, like uh, Fowler, the guy from Florida that they drafted in the top five a few years ago. They've given up some pieces, mainly for guys like Yannick and Gakwe. I'm pretty sure didn't they give up also on that Malik Jackson? Do they still have him? Oh, he was a he was a middle of the he was a middle of the line. I know, guy. but these are all guys that you got to make room for by not signing them to sign guys like Yannick and Gakwe. You know, he's considered one of their center pieces on that defense. That's Still looking pretty good. Now to some current Terp news. Jayshon Jones tore his ACL last week in practice. We talked about that a little bit with uh, Dave in the audio that we recorded from practice last night, so we'll let that do the talking on all of our opinions about that. Three Maryland football players have ended their careers for medical reasons. The players are defensive lineman, former five-star Cam Spence, which really disappointed me, wide receiver Chris Jones, and linebacker Namdi Iguaba. Spence and Jones will continue their careers as student assistants. Egiwaba will stay in school, finish his master's degrees, and enter into supply chain management. Hey, yeah. R- really disappointing. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, I don't know all the reasons. The only one I know for sure is Cam Spence just had trouble recovering from his last his knee injury towards the end of last season and just didn't feel like it was worth it anymore. I'm glad they're all staying in school, though. It's really disheartening when you see these football players, especially drop out of college when they're done playing football. Yeah. It's great to see Cam uh, stay involved with the team. He did do a long statement on Twitter. I encourage you all to go out there and read that. It's from a while ago. I know that we retweeted it along with a lot of other uh, Maryland news sources. 
Maryland QB Lance Lejean will be featured on QB1 Beyond the Lights. That's a Netflix show. It's been running for a long season, uh, for a long time now. I think it's on its third or fourth season. It was a, I believe it started actually. It's a Crackle TV show. Is that the Sony one? I don't even remember which one that was. It was a former streaming service, and then it's now it's Netflix is the full owner of the show. Uh, quarterbacks that have been featured on this have been Tate Martell, who is uh, now at Miami, just lost that starting job. Jake Fromm is at Georgia. Justin Fields, who was at Georgia, is now is at Ohio State. Sam Hartman, he's the going to be the QB, I think, at Wake Forest this year. There's been a lot of guys on there. And now Lance LeJean will have an inside look into his senior year life. It's not completely about football. It shows a lot of his personality and who he is. But they did highlight a lot about his college decision in the uh, trailer for the show. I haven't seen the trailer. I do have the other two quarterbacks featured this season in front of me here. Got Spencer Radler of Oklahoma and uh, Nick Scalizo of Kentucky. Scalizo tore his ACL during the playoffs. And uh, Radler was ruled ineligible for, for violating a code of conduct. So... There will be a lot of Lance. Yeah, you will see a lot of Lance because he won the state championship. Yeah, he, he went the longest out of all these guys. So I'm thinking, I think it's about eight episodes. It will come out on Friday on Netflix for all you people that are looking for it. It's going to be a lot about Lance. Because yeah, and we're going to we're gonna see what type of person he is. That's the part that I think is exciting and scary at the same time. Yeah, because, I mean, Jordan and I were just watching Hard Knocks, and you have a guy like Ronald Ollie who was in Last Chance U for all of you. Netflix uh, sports show watchers, and it seemed like everyone has a judgment of these guys. That's what I'm saying. He got cut, in my opinion, based on the judgment that was already conceived of him from that show. Yeah, because it exposes you. You know, we see more of players than ever now through social media, but still, the player, for the most part, curates what you see. I think on these shows, it's up to the producers of the show to tell the story they want to tell. So it's, Yeah, well, it's not only the story they want to tell, it's the story that will get views, and the story that will get views is not always reality, especially with the guys in Last Chance U. I would say more or less with this show, because they're in high school, there's a lot less of that. They show all kinds of every person. Well, I haven't but, seen the show, so you might have a better read on it than I Yeah, do. I've seen all the seasons of the show, and it is a really in-depth look about it. And, you know, you go mostly, in my opinion, to Tate Martell. And the reason why you see so much bad about Tate Martell is because of the person that this show made him into. And I guess we're going to see what how they portray Lance. Hopefully it's in a positive light. And hopefully he's worth portraying in a positive light. We don't know, but I have faith. And it'll be exciting to see what happens. Um, our next lustreless dramatic subject is uh, Brayon Gaddy, the former four-star defensive lineman, is now an offensive lineman. He is the second defensive lineman on the team to flip sides of the ball this season after Austin Fontaine. Uh, Mike Loxley said in a statement, we are going to take a look at Gaddy as an offensive guard, as an interior lineman for us. We are trying to continue to find ways to build depth. He has a big body that showed some good athleticism, the ability to move, and showed some short area quickness. I think the biggest piece of that is we're going to continue to try to find ways to build depth. I don't think that's the biggest piece of it. I'm going to tell you what the biggest piece of this is. You have a five-star defensive lineman who's not playing football anymore. Can't spend. Another four or even five-star guy in Austin Fontaine who's now not playing defensive lineman. And now another four-star guy who was supposed to play defensive line who's on the offensive line. Everybody's going to talk about 
how Maryland's not going to be able to compete on the lines. And, you know, DJ Durkin was such a great recruiter and his staff, they were such great recruiters. How are we not competing on the line? There's your answer. You have another spot. You have two other spots I can point to that are the exact same except in a positive way. You have the receivers that they recruited that look great so far this season, and you have the running backs that they recruited. All those guys have worked out. This is why it takes more than two classes to build a football program. Because now you got three guys that you were relying on to be there this season that would be in their first and or second year or third year. And what are they doing? They're not playing football or they're changed positions. Look, there's been a lot written about this recently, but offensive lines are really, really hard to evaluate in high school. You see programs... We're not talking, we're not talking about evaluation. But I think we are, though, because one of the things that everybody talks about with the guys you just mentioned, there's the four or five-star guys, it's repeatedly been shown. The guys make it to the NFL on the offensive line, there's almost no correlation to their high school ranking. I'm not talking about that, though. I'm talking about the expectation from a fan perspective, which is that if these guys are four- and five-star players, that they can play football. Yeah. You expect to win at these positions because of the way you recruited at them, and now the guys, it's not even a matter of what you're saying. It's a matter of, these are the guys that you expected to play, expected to be there, and expected to produce, especially talking about Fontaine and Gaddy, because Cam Spence, that's a whole different story with a lot of injuries involved, and I completely understand why he made his decision, but I'm just talking about it from a general sense. you got three guys you were relying on to be there, and they might not be. It might not matter what star rating they are, but Maryland's limited in size, too. you got to remember, Cam Spence is a 6'4 guy. Austin Fontaine, I mean, we saw him yesterday. What is he, 6'6"? And you have another guy. These are your space-eating defensive linemen, and they're gone. Okay, but you also have a problem here, which is one we keep hammering on. The offensive line has no depth. And, yeah, the defensive line's a work in progress, but the offensive line is, yeah, the starters look pretty good, but if you pull one or two guys out of there... But you're screwed. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not... You have bodies, but you don't have guys that can play. I mean, we got we get into this later in the show. I mean, we got a lot of looks at the offensive line in practice. But to be honest there, they got six guys. Yeah. If that, because some of them are redshirt freshmen. They're not built very well there. They've lost some guys. You know, guys switch positions. They transfer. Things happen. And that's the bottom line. But on the defensive line, I'm starting to get really disappointed about the guys that I expected to be there not, not being there anymore. I'm not too concerned about it. I'm just saying, though, there's an expectation to have a premier defensive line almost this season. Premier? And those guys... Yeah. You have two guys, the Gaddies, that Florida and Tennessee were after, and they were considered flips to Maryland. Austin Fontaine's a four-star to Matha, and Cam Smith's a five-star, I believe, out of St. John's. That's a premier defensive line. Or at least one that can compete, and compete well, and compete, and expect to win sometimes, most of the time in this league. That's on par with the rest getting SEC flips and two guys from this area that were very sought after by huge programs. Yeah, I don't know about the premiere, but I understand what you're trying to say here. And our last little note here before we move over to Dave, Maryland football has debuted some very good-looking, in my opinion, throwbacks to earlier today for the Michigan game. Homecoming, football 150, all those things. They're kind of based around the 80s um, Maryland football look. What, what do you think about them? Yeah, they're the 80s look, the Boomer Esiason look with the Terp script helmet. In that, some people like to call it Clemson red. I disagree with that. Um, that's the red that Maryland used to wear. And it is a lighting thing, too, in my opinion. You know, you take photos with those huge lights on them, and they look a different color than they really do in person. Uh, to be a uniform analyst here, 
Favorite uniform, still the Penn State game one from Baltimore. I think I think most people yeah, agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I like the yellow and black ones that they pulled out for the Maryland 100 game. Jordan? Uh, I like the helmet, at least. The helmet was nice. It was a white one, number on the side, black number, yellow they outline. They just didn't look Marylandish to me. No, but th- that was actually, in my opinion, that's the closest replica to an actual Maryland uniform that they've ever made in any sport. I mean, they, they encapsulate an era, but it was such, such a long time ago. Yeah. So this one, this, in my opinion, will be a huge sell to all the Maryland fans that hate the redesigned logo. Because I've also seen a Terps golf shirt that will be going on with this. Locks uh, in the picture, or in that video that I thought was fantastic, came out with a Terps jacket on. So for all you people that have been living for the Terps stuff, you will have another chance to buy it all. Well, I got a couple notes in response to that. First off, I was, like, when the first came out, I did not like the New Maryland logo. I kind of like it now. I like the M, at least. The M I think the M is going. good. I don't know about the Maryland. I don't know why I totally phased out the Terps. Like, the Mar- the turtle part of the logo, I don't know why they totally got it. Well, I believe it was Kevin Anderson's view of the thing, was that no one knows what a Terp is. Well, who cares that no one knows what a Terp is? Who knows what a Wahoo is? <laughs> I mean, Jordan and I figured out on our vacation what a wahoo is. I mean, how many people but, really know what a wolverine is? Like, the actual animal. How many of you could actually point to a wolverine and say, that's a wolverine? Like, without looking. I think, yes. If you really want to get into this, this is not Maryland in huge letter. We are the Terps. The hashtag that the players use is, he a Terp. What, what else are you going to say? He's a, he's a Maryland? Exactly. Like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't emphasize the flag, because I think the flag's really cool like everybody else does. I just don't know why we had to throw the Terps out. My other thing is, my favorite uniforms we ever wore, I would have to agree with you that like the uh, throwbacks from that Baltimore-Penn State game, but also the White Ops. I always loved the White Ops. Yeah, they're fantastic Those were the uniform. ones with the, the white jersey, the black letters, and like the faded out kind of flag. Under it's, the, a, it's a grayscale flag. Yeah, grayscale it is flag. what it is. It's a grayscale pride, Maryland Pride uniform. I didn't, retrospectively, I didn't really like the Maryland Pride look, honestly. That's a different issue, but... Yeah, we, we can get into this. Another day. I mean, as every time they release your uniforms, we kind of talk about the same things. Maybe we need to dedicate uh, some uni- I mean, to we uniforms. Because we talked about basketball uniforms two weeks ago. Yeah, maybe. Without further ado, let's get out to Wayne Viner, Dave LaMonico, myself, and Jordan out there at practice yesterday or last night. But before we get to that, if you like this podcast, make sure to follow us on Twitter at YoungTurf1, like us on Facebook, and make sure to rate and review this podcast. Here's Dave, Wayne, Jordan, and myself. Live from Maryland Stadium, I'm Wayne Viner, Dave LaMonico from Terrapin Times. There's football practice going on over to our right, but we decided to get away from all those whistles and all the noise. But you've been to a lot of practices. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. What have you seen? Uh, Josh Jackson looks like the real deal. Um, has picked up right where he left off his freshman year at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm pr- impressed with his mechanics, his footwork, very smooth delivery. Um, a little bit elongated. It's not as it's not as quick as uh, as maybe Lance Lejean's mm-hmm. delivery. But I mean, the mechanics are there. He looks like you know probably the best quarterback they've had. In yeah, years. And, and you guys at home are watching some of the quarterback throws behind us. But the next game that comes up is Lance Lejean. Yes. He's moved up to what appears to be the second string of this yeah, game. surprising how um, we don't always see that around here. A lot of the quarterbacks that Maryland brings in as recruits, they're guys that need a couple years of development. This kid looks like he 
got some serious training down in uh, down in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, he's he's more polished than we've seen in a long time for a true freshman quarterback. And when the young Terps come on, you guys can talk about QB one, QBU. What, what's the name of the product? QB1, Mason and Dave and Jordan will talk about that. My guy has been and still is Tyler DeSue. I like the idea that he's been here. He really did a nice job in the spring game. He seems to have all the tools. I'm not sure he has them at the level of Josh or Lance at this point. Right, and he's one of those guys that, that was one of those developmental guys. He was a Walt Bell guy um, you know, mm-hmm. from a few years ago, and it took him. He was not the highest-rated guy. He was not even Maryland's first choice. Comes in here. It's taken him a couple of years, and it seems like he's starting to get it. He is. Um, so. uh, running backs, and then we'll, we'll turn this over to the rest of the guys. That running back room is stacked. I'm sure everybody's seen by now on Twitter that uh, McFarlane run where he leapt over the linebacker and kept right. going. Man, he looks like he's got it all, but that's not just that's just the start of it. I mean, oh, yeah. You've got guys I mean, behind him. Talk about Javon Leak. Uh, Javon Leak would be starting for maybe nine or ten other programs in the Big Ten if he mm-hmm. was, you know, I'm. Th- th- those are running back one and one A right there. They, they they will probably be on the field at the same time a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, those two are both going to get touches. So, yeah, Javon Leak's a, I mean, he's a big guy, but he's fast too. So, yeah. um, you know, he's got pretty similar not not quite as quick and explosive as McFarlane he's got a similar skill set so. right well McFarlane was not overrated when he came out as being about the 65th best player in America I think they <laughs> had that right so this is the big dog uh, preseason show and we want to thank Rick Jacklich and the team for sponsoring this we'll be back in a minute after these commercials with the young Terps Jordan and Mason and Dave you can stick around for that sounds good all right, and back here with Dave Monaco and the Young Terps. Let's talk about QB1 a little bit. Lance LeJean obviously going to be the big feature, especially given that the other two guys involved with the show, one tours ACL pretty early on in the season, the other got disqualified for code of conduct violation late in the season. So it's going to be interesting to get an inside look at Lance's life down in uh, Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, it's not an area that Maryland heavily recruits. It's not something that us as reporters have been able to talk to kids here a whole lot about. So that's going to be interesting. And, um, you know, we'll get an inside look of, uh, you know, some high school football down there. And obviously seeing what more of Lance's personality, he's not a guy we've talked to a whole lot yet. Yeah, and of course, you know, the college decision, Florida State, Kansas, obviously, and then he ends up here in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And that should be played out in the show. Let's get back to what's going on here. The receiver is obviously a crowded room. What have you seen so far? Because there's a lot of guys. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Ja'Shawn Jones was doing his thing until the ACL. Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, and, you know, that is a blow, uh, obviously. But, there, I mean, it's a stacked – if there's a position besides running back, uh, Maryland's probably deepest at receiver. Uh, Daryl Jones has pretty much stepped in. He's probably going to get that spot, um, you know, the wide receiver one spot. Uh, Demas is the second receiver, and then either Savoy or Rashard Lewis is the slot guy. And then, you know, Isaiah Hazel looks like he's put on some good muscle some coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, still has some work to do, but, um, you know, looks good. Yeah, um, DJ Turner, obviously another guy there. Oh, it's just... It's going to be in those first few weeks, and they don't have much time this year. You know, Temple's a tough team, Syracuse. Mm-hmm. How do you think they're going to really figure out who is the guy there? At receiver? Yeah, slot. Um, receiver. It's, uh, it, it, you're going to have to wait till Big Ten play. We're going to see. I mean, because uh, you know, 
obviously Merrill had Texas the first the last couple seasons, so you got to see a little bit about what these guys could do. Um, some good teams early on besides Howard, but you're not going to know maybe who separates themselves until they get into some of some, maybe against Syracuse you might see a little bit there, but it'll it'll take a few weeks I would think. I'd say one of the biggest question marks on the Terrapin roster right now is the defensive backfield. You know, we got Tino Ellis, but after that, it's kind of a mixed bag. Who do you think is going to step up in the the cornerback two slot? Oh well, M- Marcus Lewis is is their top corner, so um, so he'll be he'll be fine there. And then the, the Tino and and Marcus are are pretty much uh, you know. Uh, pretty similar in terms of that. Marcus Lewis is probably the best corner on the roster in terms of fundamental standpoints. And actually, I'm not as, I'm more worried about, or if I were a Terps fan, I'd be more worried about the depth at defensive back more than the starters. I think they're going to be okay there. Antoine Brooks is obviously going to be fine. He's their best player overall. Um, And then uh, the free safety, Deion Jones looks like he's going to be ready to step on that spot, but Nick Cross is going to be right there challenging the freshman that's coming in. So it's, it's more the depth behind Ellis and Marcus Lewis that's the, that's the concern. It's Kenny Bennett's the top backup right there. So that's not a guy that many uh, Terp fans have heard about yet. Yeah, and Vincent Fleither are guys that you know we we haven't heard a whole lot about yet, and those are the top backups. So they've got something to prove. We'll see. Um, yeah, he's probably looking battling for a third on the depth chart, maybe fourth on the depth chart at safety right now. Um, is a guy that. Uh, seems to have maybe been over-recruited since he's been here. Um, still has some work. I mean, he's done some okay things, but I think others have pretty much surpassed him in the pecking order a little bit. Well, my other guy is Jordan Mosley. Oh, I, yeah. I've heard a lot about him at safety. I don't know if he's still really in the mix. Oh, yeah, definitely. Jordan Mosley is, uh, is going to challenge for that spot. Um, I'm sure he's he's not going to start, um, but you know he should be heavy in the rotation. He was in the rotation last year. He's got excellent yep. ball skills. Um, he's a guy that will probably be a starter towards the latter stages of his career. Yeah, and I think that's going to be one of the more interesting spots between him and Antoine Brooks, who kind of had that linebacker hybrid. Now they're going full right. safety in this defense. Yeah. So maybe over those, I mean, Howard obviously not going to be a challenge, but getting into those tougher games, it's going to be some adjusting for all these guys now because you're really looking at true linebackers and true safeties. There's not really right. much of the hybrid going Sure, on. sure, and there is an adjustment. But you've got to remember a lot of times, and, and defensive coaches and coaches, they'll tell you this all the time, that's their base. I still think that Antoine Brooks will still play sort of a nickel role. I still think Jordan Mosley is going to – it will still – I mean, they're still going to fit into in this sub-packages and things like that. You'll see their base – I think defensive coaches, what do they say, like 30% of the time, and they're always shifting. Yeah. So I think that it'll be an adjustment in some packages, but these guys will still do what they do. And you are listening to a Terp Talk Young Terps mega podcast, which is also brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. Let's talk about a little bit of the line play. Um, on the offensive side, seems like they've kind of got what they want out of the starting group, but past that, might be another spot where they're challenged with depth. Yeah, and that's been their problem the past, uh, you know, the past couple of years. It's been, you know, um, have some solid starters, and then those guys have almost worn down, and they haven't looked as good because the depth is not as quality backing them up. Um, and that could be a problem again this year, especially you're looking at that back end of that schedule with the five games. Is that starting group going to get worn down again? Um, they've really got to develop some some quality depth. And there's questions on the starters this year too, so that that's a major concern on the offensive line. Yeah, you got a lot of new young guys, but then I yeah. think they're really going to have to lean on their certain guys like your Johnny Jordans, Marcus Miner, you know, the guys that played right. in to be really be leaders and step up and kind of – Get some of those, you know, redshirt freshmen through the season. Oh, right, right, right. And I mean, everybody just assumes Jalen Duncan's just going to. I mean, he's yeah. a redshirt freshman who's never played a snap. I mean, he could he could struggle. We don't know. 
He looks good, but you, we just don't know. I mean, it's unproven, so we got to see how he does, too. We always hear about Ellis McKinney being the only real depth on this line. Do you think that's still yeah. the case this um, far in the camp? Yeah, I do. I do, because they lost. Well, Tieran Hunt looks okay. They took a big blow losing T.J. Bradley, yep. who was supposed to really step up. Um, but Ellis McKinney is sort of like that super sub that can, that can go at any spot. And, um, you know, beyond that, it's a lot of questions. I just think, like, even looking at what he did in that practice, you know, short time that we're allowed to really see what's going on, He's flipping spots. He's oh, he's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, and that's and, what he did last year. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Another guy, I think they might have to go to the guy that they got from Juco, Paris. What do you think of him? Yeah, Paris Heath. He, he's a guy that, you know, you, you would hope that you, he, he... I don't think he's ready. I don't, I honestly don't, guys. I mean, they, he needs some. He needs a little bit of work. He's, um, he's a... He's an okay run blocker. He's really got some work to do with pass yep. blocking and some of his fundamentals. I, I really would be surprised if he if he plays this year. Maryland might be in a little bit of trouble. So, <laughs> so let's move over to another JUCO guy that they got, uh, Sam O, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Okay. So if we're going to defense, um, Sam O is a guy that that has drawn praise from the coaching staff. Um, they like they like his explosiveness. He's a guy that had 17 and I think 17 and a half sacks or something. Or he did not play against good competition, so we have to keep that in mind. Um, that's always a question mark with JUCOs. Um, that didn't come from programs like Lackawanna, like some of the some. I mean, he came from a school in Minnesota that played basically nobody. So we're going to have to see how he does. But yeah, he looks like a good depth piece, that possibly. Oh, well, moving right along with the transfer idea, though, you have the linebacker core, which is headlined by two transfers, Shaq Smith, Kendra Jones. But we run three to four linebackers. So who else do you think is going to step in, specifically in the inside of the linebacker core? Uh, as starters or depth pieces? I'd say I mean, both, honestly. Okay, so the starters look like Iandy Ely or Ace Ely. Um, he's really stepped up and drawn a lot of praise from the coaching staff. Uh, Papuchis has, has talked about him a lot. Um, and then Chance Campbell is, is has drawn rave reviews. Um, had the starting spot in the spring ball because Isaiah Davis was hurt. Looks like he's probably going to keep that starting spot over the veteran Isaiah Davis. who will be the backup. So. Yeah, that's... Boy, Isaiah Davis, he's been, I feel like he's been around here forever yeah, at this point. Yeah, he's been around a long time. And really being I mean, challenged for that starting spot going into this last year, is kind of it's got to be rough. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, Maryland's lack of, I mean, he might have been unseated as a starter before this, but yeah. Maryland had a lot of, I mean, they didn't yep. have depth at linebacker. So One more question I got for you inside on the defensive line. Will the Gaddy step up this year, and who's really looking good? Yeah, I mean, we've asked Loxley about this a couple times, and he basically gives a, you know, all those guys are progressing kind of answer. He won't speak about them specifically. Um, I think that, you know, Breon has gotten to the point where he can rotate in. Um, we'll see. We'll see. It's still sort of jury sort of out. So we'll see how they go. Yeah, that's that's my spot. That's where I got to see the improvement. Yeah, you know, getting into out. these guys. It's a wrap. Is that a wrap? Yeah. All right. All right. And thanks, Dave, for coming on. And No problem, guys. Tell the uh, Terp Talk and Young Terps fans where they can find you. Yeah, uh, terrapintimes.com, just like that. And at uh, MD Terrapin Times on Twitter. All right, thanks, Dave. And this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals and the big dog, small firm Rick Jackalich. And myself. And as always, we would like to take the time to thank Dave Lamonico for sitting down with us and doing a podcast video style. If you saw it on the Wayne Terp YouTube page... We apologize for that. It was just the time that we can take with Dave's uh, busy schedule and all of our schedules. Oh, whenever you can get Dave on, it's always great to see. He's a, such a knowledgeable insider with Maryland's program. Uh, so this is going to last 
I don't want to call it live, but our last in-person podcast for a while. Yeah, uh, we're both heading off to college. I'm heading down to Jacksonville University, and Jordan's back up there in Fargo, so somehow we found a way to uh, make the distance even longer between us. But we'll, we'll keep doing the podcast, uh, keep checking in as the seasons get closer. We'll have reports from Wayne, Bruce, Dave... All the guys will be out at all the press conferences and games, but I'm, I'm going to make it back for a few this year, and Jordan will be here for... Uh, I guess, are we playing on Thanksgiving this year? Or that weekend? No, they're on the road that weekend. I'll be here for that Nebraska game. I'm trying to fit in a few others. It's nice to be somewhere where it's, you know, you're far away, but it's really easy to get back home, and Jacksonville's a place like that. Well, the DMV is always in your blood when you leave it. I've learned that from my travels. And, hey, you can finally see the excellence of the Big Ten Network TV broadcasts. You know, I really like the Big Ten Network. I don't really have an issue with the football broadcast. Yeah, the, the, ba- basketball the basketball ones great me. The basketball ones, uh, I just, I feel like there's a lot of anti-Maryland. It's nice to be the team that everyone doesn't like, though. You have to be good enough to earn that, though. I don't feel like, I don't mind it. When oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you saying that Maryland hasn't been good enough to be to do that? Because if you really look at the teams they beat in this basketball conference, and especially when they had Melo Trimble, the way they were beating them, it makes a lot of people not like them. I mean, think about it. They went to Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin was having their best season really quickly. And they came to Maryland, and Maryland beat them. And then Melo Trimble hit the buzzer beater in Madison, probably my favorite Maryland Big Ten basketball game. They beat Michigan State at the buzzer. They beat Michigan State when Michigan State thought they were great. They've beaten a lot of the teams that have huge basketball impacts when they were good and in heartbreaking fashion, which makes people immediately hate you. Look, they're not... This is getting, this is a rabbit hole right here. But they're not basketball schools. No, they're not like basketball they schools, and it bothers them that Maryland is, and Maryland students scream pretty nasty things at their players. They chant them on national television. It bothers people. It's nice to be the team that bothers other people. Because a lot of times, we're seen as a floor mat team, and I don't like that either. No, it's definitely better to be the team on top. Exactly. And I think there are really only two options when it comes to sport. Barely any teams people are just okay with, unless you suck all the time, or you just never win at anything. All right. Um, I would, I'll pun this down as an idea, but I would love to talk to some Wisconsin fans about Maryland basketball. Put that on the list. They don't like it. Put that on the list. All right. I think that does it for this one, though. Yes, it does. Make sure to follow us on social media if you like it. I will be out at practice on Thursday and tweeting from the Young Turfs account there and taking some pictures, of course, of the shell. I mean, it's ready to go. The tunnel the tunnel is going to be interesting. Oh, we didn't even talk about the tunnel yet. Next time. Next yeah, time. next time we'll get to that. And as always, thanks for listening.